Welcome to Exploring the Mystical Side of Life with your host, Linda Lang. Hi, this is Linda Lang from ThoughtChange.com. Today we're talking about the inner child. I'm here with Liz Molinar. Liz has written a book called Heal for Life, and she is the founder of the Heal for Life Foundation. Welcome, Liz. Hello. Nice to meet you, Linda. So it's really interesting that you have this beautiful foundation. You do really powerful work for survivors of childhood trauma, and you have your own story that kind of propelled you on this path. And I find it fascinating that the thing that really helped you to heal is inner child work. How did you come across that? Really, once I read a book by a woman called Lucia Cappuccioni, um, probably about five years into my healing, and I'd been in, intuitively knowing that it was my internal pain that was causing my dysfunctionality. But when I read that book, I realized that I really needed to make much more of a connection. And from that, we actually built up um, our program that we run at Hill for Life because we do like a five-day residential program. And it was because of that realization we needed to, to have a safe place to actually find out what was the part of what was the part of myself that I was denying, which was my internal childhood pain, um, negative self beliefs that so many of us have when we've suffered from childhood trauma. You said that you were lacking connection, and the book brought you that awareness. Connection to what? Connection to what had happened in my childhood. When we suffer from childhood trauma, it means we don't actually remember our moments of real trauma. So my own self-denial, both physiologically, physically, as well as mentally, meant that I completely didn't even realize what had happened in my childhood until I was 50 years old. So I had a complete lack of connection between, if I spoke about it neurologically, between my right and left brain, um, that I was kind of in my thinking brain all the time. And sort of denying my emotional brain completely. Healing is connecting my left and right brain. That's, that's what is, is my healing, is my acknowledgement of my inner self while being able to be a thinking, active, participating adult human being. Now, for anyone who hasn't heard the term inner child, what do you mean when you use that term? Oh, you could, I could call it my inner self. I could call it my wisdom. I could call it my soul. I could call it my wise self. Our First Nations people in Australia will call it their little fella. Um, I think uh, terminology isn't really important. It's kind of the acknowledgement that in me there is, oh, in my right brain, there is my childhood, when my emotions, my, when my understanding of life was created. I mean, everything, each of us, because our brains are plastic, each of us in that first year of life, first few years of life, we formulate all our opinions about ourselves, which have been formed by other people, rather than being the person that I was created to be. So it's unpacking the lies in those early years of childhood to become my true self. That to me is, whether it's a spiritual, whether it's a physical, all healing is leading us to being the whole self, the, the true self. In my work, I do some parts therapy as well, and how when people go through something traumatic, and to a person, 
trauma is very subjective. It can be something horrendous or it could be something as simple as going to school the first day. And Well, trauma has to be life-threatening and more emotion than the brain can deal with. That's how neuroscientists define it. So if it was the first day of school, it would be that something happened on that day that was so overwhelmingly scary that forevermore that child might be frightened of going to school or might hate doing the first of anything. But it, it has true trauma, whatever it is, and it can be something, as you say, really, really small, but it's that fact that it is overwhelms the, the ability of the brain to cope. That's what creates the impact on our developing brain. And then it's almost like in the psyche, there's, there's a little part of that person that stays that age and holds on. You absolutely hold on to that emotion because the brain wants to protect me from ever having that same experience of going to school again. So what the brain does is remind me through my senses of anything that happened on that first day of school. And I get what's called triggered. So as I say, it might be that that child, every single time they had to go to school, their brain would trigger them into this is a scary thing, don't let it happen. And if it was me, I might pretend to be ill, I might do anything to avoid the experience of going to school. It's the triggering that is so destructive to survivors. And so maybe you'd like to share a little bit about how when you live your life with these unconscious triggers, how that can actually affect your choices and your creation of your life. We'll use your example. I'll, I'll use the keep. I'll stay on the first first day at school. It might mean that that little child, as they grew up, never wanted to do anything new, never wanted to do anything that was called the first. So forever, that child, as an adult, would be going. No, I don't want to go and explore. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to stretch outside something I absolutely know about. So it could be absolutely create a person who was really closed in on themselves. Um, unable to explore. Um, triggering can have profound impacts on the way we perceive the world because it's uh, our view of the world is affected by fear rather than by love. And that's, that's pretty big if, we, if our life is run by fear. And that's what happens for survivors of childhood trauma. Our lives are run by fear. It's fear-based, which becomes anger-based, but it's fear-based. Yeah, it would be a huge shift for that person if they could let that fear go. Mm. I run this foundation, as you said, and, and we run healing programs. And it's the most amazing thing when someone unlocks a trigger and they completely, something huge changes in them. So maybe I'll give you an example. Um, we had a man who, when he came for the healing week, said, I can't bear to be touched. I mean, how tragic. This is a guy in his early 30s, couldn't bear to be touched. And he'd been sexually abused by his uncle. So he'd assumed that that sexual abuse by his uncle was the reason why he couldn't be touched. Uh, however, when, we, when he went into his trauma by accessing his right brain, he discovered that actually what had happened was when he was five years old, his sister and he, he lived in a dysfunctional family. She'd been run over. And he'd run out onto the road to see her. And adults, quite sensibly, held him back and stopped him, stopped him from reaching her. So into his brain was locked in, it's dangerous to let anyone touch me, because it stopped him relieving his fear by being able to see his sister. 
So as soon as he realized that and released the fear and then empowered the little boy, which in my book, it's all explained, but anyone who's on their journey of healing will probably know what I'm talking about um, and nurtured his little boy. He spent the rest of the week saying, oh, can you give me a hug? Can everyone give me a hug? And this is totally life changing. Each time each one of us unlocks a trigger, we unlock the truth to ourselves. It's the, it's the most fabulous work because it's um, utterly rewarding and it's, it's really simple. I think that's why I'm a bit passionate about it because all these people are going around with wrong self-beliefs, which are completely stopping their ability to enjoy life. And life is so good and, and is to be enjoyed, but we're stopped because of falsehoods that we learned as children because of trauma. Well, the book is fantastic because it actually describes how you can start to work with your inner child if you're not sure about what issue or what belief you hold unconsciously, how would you suggest people kind of get in tune with that? Well, I think most people listening, anyone with a trauma background, most of them will know what I mean by a trigger. They'll know that they sometimes react to something. They might react if someone doesn't listen to them. They might react if someone smells of alcohol, or they might react when people shout. A lot of people are triggered by things like spiders. Why are they triggered by spiders? Usually when they unlock that, it's because when they're in their cot, uh, you know, their mother's come in, seen a spider above their bed and screamed, ah, there's a spider, there's a spider. The little baby is completely dependent on their mother. So the little baby thinks spiders are scary. I'm, I must always be scared of spiders. And that's nobody's fault. I mean, trauma, it's not a, this is not a blame game. I mean, we are what we are. Um, so anything that anyone has a phobia about, a fear of, therefore me, they will, it is likely to come from a trauma. Once we recognize the trigger, then we can start unlocking with ourselves what, what happened to me? What does that remind me of? Why do I not like getting into an elevator? Why am I frightened of the dark and exploring that? And, and in my book, that's why I wrote it was because I want people to be able to start doing their own healing, even if they don't come to one of our centers. I just want people to start realizing they don't have to stay the way they are. Everybody can change. Nobody has to stay stuck. Our brains are plastic. All of us can change. And it does take a little bit of self-awareness. I find that people have triggers that make them overreact in, in situations. They can't actually stop themselves or even have awareness until after. No, you don't actually, when you're triggered, the part of the brain, which is called the prefrontal cortex, actually is deactivated by stress hormones. So when we're stressed, we can't think nor be aware of how we're behaving, nor be empathetic to how other people are perceiving us. So when our stress hormones are released, we actually stop being aware of other people's reactions. So that's one of the problems of triggering. We're not actually aware of our own behavior. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how, when you start clearing some of these triggers, the kind of self-acceptance and spiritual growth that is possible. Yes, I think that we have two sides to our brain, our right brain and our left brain, putting it very simplistically. And our left brain is non-emotional, logical thoughts. And when we're trying to avoid our pain, our fear from childhood, then we live in our left brain. So we're very, we think we're logical, but we don't like feeling. Well, I think 
is our, through our feeling brain that I probably reach my spirituality and my, for me, connection with God, to other people, connection to whatever their internal spirituality is. Uh, but I think for me, my disruption with my relationship with God was also came from my own lack of self-belief. If I don't believe in myself, it's very hard to believe in that there's a bigger universe, a bigger world, that there is more to me than just me, when I don't even think I'm worthwhile. So I think getting a sense of being worthwhile is part of the journey to spirituality. Until we heal, there's, there's, this, there's this gap, there's this disconnect, there's this not ability to communicate on, on a genuine all parts of me level. And spirituality is, it is all parts of me. Spirituality is a sense of alignment. And that would come with a much greater sense of self-trust. I believe so. I think we can all have a, a, a connection with spirituality, but I think we can do it on, on a sort of superficial level and it grows as we grow with our own internal growth. But often that connection can help us have the confidence to look down the layers with the sense of there's some other supporting me. Yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about your work? Uh, sure. So the Heal for Life Foundation, I set up because uh, back in the early 1990s, I looked around as a very successful middle-class businesswoman, and I looked around for someone to help me to heal. I looked around, I thought, okay, I'm starting to recover these memories of childhood trauma. I need healing. Let's, let's get into it. And I found that there was a disconnect between what I, as a survivor, knew intuitively I needed. And because when I first revealed I was a survivor of child abuse, I was one of the first people in Australia and I had a high media profile. So it was very much in, in the media. So when I discovered that there wasn't anywhere for me, I realized that um, I needed to set up a, a, an organization of survivors of childhood trauma. Because I thought we need to run this show ourselves. We need to train professionals in what we need to do in order to heal. So I, I started an organization originally called ASCA, which grew into being the Blue Knot Foundation. And first of all, we had groups all over Australia uh, and that was great and people felt validated and they felt heard. And I've got thousands of letters from survivors, but they didn't actually heal. So you can be validated, you can tell people your story, but it doesn't actually heal the brain. So then I started on a journey of learning, of studying, studying the brain and learning how we could actually heal ourselves. But all the time while I was doing this, I was supported and, and gaining my information from masses of survivors around me because over eight and a half thousand people have been to Heal for Life for Healing. So every week during this time, I was having survivors coming wanting to heal. So I learned uh, from personal experience as well as from study. Um, and we developed this Heal for Life model, which, which is in my book. And it's not something new or different. It's just putting together uh, what neuroscientists have said with our own intuitive belief and works of some different people, Bessel van der Kolk and Peter Levine. I think it's the putting it together and recognizing the importance of triggers that makes um, our work so successful. Um, and it is. And it's the fact that it's all informed by survivors of childhood trauma. So we're now trained professionals, so we, we are now the professionals. Our organization 
is, is training people who then go on to become our psychologists, our therapists, our uh, uh, spiritual workers, spiritual healers. It's wonderful what people have done um, in the years after they've done their week of healing. It's kind of started them on a path who then started healing other people, but coming from um, a vulnerable, open space, not from a, let me tell you what to do, but from a, this is what I've learned and I'll share it with you. So Heal for Life is about peer support. It's about survivors helping survivors. It's not about me cleverly telling people what to do. It's sharing what I've learned. And if it helps others, great. Well, it's a beautiful story of healing and commitment to serve. Well, most of us are volunteers at Heal for Life, and that's part of the philosophy of the place. So people come and volunteer and train with us. And while they're volunteering and training, they're healing. So then they can move on to do whatever it is they want to do with their lives, coming from a grounded base. And that's, that's really important. Obviously, everyone has an inner child. Well, everybody has a childhood. Since everyone has a child self. Oh, isn't that exciting? We've all got that spontaneous emotional self that exists in all of us, whether, whatever we call it. We were all children and we still have that ability to feel like a child again if we want to. And as I read your book, some people have several. There's no defining depending on your childhood and what your needs were in order to stay alive, in order to cope. Some people develop more than one child and that's, there's nothing odd about that. That's just the way some people's brains develop in order to cope with ongoing trauma. That's usually people with severe trauma who, where it happened at a very early age. So it's as if their brain, one part of their, their right brain can't cope. So it, it segments it to make it manageable to survive. We, it's amazing how we survive. It is amazing. We are so resilient. And we are so resilient. It's just, it's amazing and wonderful. What about people that grow up and don't really have any major trauma? I think if you've, if you've suffered a bit in childhood, if you've felt emotional pain, I think it develops our own empathy and understanding of other people. So I think to have suffered only means we understand what suffering is. And that means we can care more about our fellow human beings. I think many people have issues that they can deal with it's a choice. And I mean, really, as you and certainly I, I'm interested in the people who want to change, the people who want to be different, and the people who may be listening to us talking today think, oh, I'll, I'll look up that book, Heal for Life, and I'll, I'll go and find out how I can be a different, how I can be a different person, um, that it is, it's possible to change. None of us are stuck with being the result of our childhoods. None of us are stuck with that. I totally, totally, totally agree with that. And now your book, Heal for Life, would you recommend that for anyone or if there are, are people that have real severe trauma, are they better to get actual help? But what are your thoughts? Okay, so my book, which is, as you say, is called Heal for Life, is for anybody who wants to understand about trauma. Now, the best thing anyone can do is to get a, a therapist, a therapist who is, will walk alongside them, a therapist who understands, because the therapeutic relationship, our brains change and develop through relationship. So that's by far the best. But there are many people who can't afford anybody, uh, who are isolated, 
And I hope that my book will mean that people can read it and go, I can change. So I can start, I can start working on these ways to love myself. I can start exploring what my triggers are. And then maybe I can get some funding or maybe I can find, you know, some way that I can do more. But I hope my book will encourage people to think I can heal and I'm going to. Because there are lots and lots of people who kind of feel despair and go, my life's shit. It's just gut. It's just hideous. It's horrible. And there's nothing I can do about it. Um, about 70% of the people who come to Heal for Life for Healing come because they've reached the end of their tether. They're actually suicidal. And I really want to help the people who are just feeling that despair of, oh, nothing can help me. No one will help me. I've been to different counselors. I've tried to do something and nothing's made any difference. Well, I'm saying as a survivor, you can be helped. Sadly, there are people who don't understand. Um, so just keep looking and yes, <laughs> read my book, um, read about how you can heal from trauma and, and just start on the journey because it's, it's worth it because we all deserve it. Nobody deserves uh, to not be able to have relationships. Nobody deserves to wake up every day feeling I can't get through this day. Nobody deserves to be depressed, have panic attacks, be anxious, and it's it's healable. So I kind of I feel very cross with the people who say you can manage your depression or you can manage your anxiety or manage your anger. No, heal from it. Change is always possible. Always, yeah. And I think it's when we lose the hope that it is possible that's when people suicide and go into depression. And I'm kind of wanting to say to people. You don't, you, that's, that's not true. You can heal. That's why I call it heal for life. It's if you heal, it's a permanent life change. You don't heal for 10 minutes on our program. Independent research has shown that four year, even four years after our program, people continue to change in their mental health status. They continue to come off their addiction. So it's not a one week fix. It's a week to start on a journey of healing you know it's um, a real uh, understanding that it's possible that that's what we're about well thank you for doing such great work for the world liz and for writing it all down in this book would you like to share your website or contact information and the book is called heal for life as is our whole organization and we're in uh, the philippines england australia this year will be in India as well. And it's heal for life, all one word, dash book.com.au. So heal for life, all one word, will, will help you to find us. So I hope anyone listening will just listen and whether or not they read my book, they'll go, oh, oh maybe I could think about here. Oh, maybe I can change because as you said, everybody can change. Everybody can change. Absolutely. We'll make sure to put all the links to your foundation, your book, and your website in the show notes. Any listeners, if you have any friends or family that have suffered childhood trauma, direct them to the book. And they can, anyone can email me. I answer all my emails. Uh, Liz Mullen are all one word at healforlife.com.au. Find me on Facebook or LinkedIn or any of those. I'm, I love to help survivors get the courage to heal. So um, I always respond to anyone who contacts me. 
perfect, perfect. And whether or not you are a survivor of childhood trauma, go and play with your inner child because it's so <laughs> much fun Absolutely. and it helps you develop your intuition and your sense of joy and playfulness in life. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. From February 10th to the 17th, 2020, you can pick up your Kindle version of Heal for Life for only 99 cents. And we'd like to thank Liz for that. We'll put an active link in the show notes. You can just simply click on and it will take you to amazon.com.au. Liz, thank you for being my guest. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Exploring the Mystical Side of Life. You will find us on YouTube, on iTunes, Anchor.fm, and also on Podcoin. You'll find me at ThoughtChange.com. Come and pick up your book, Learning to Listen, and we'll see you again next time. Bye for now.